0: Greetings everybody out there in Dreamland. Namaste and shalom. Iron sharpens iron and a friend sharpens a friend. You are listening to the Beyond Top Secret Texan. I am the Beyond Top Secret Texan. Broadcasting to you from the coast with the most. The Gulf Coast. The third coast of Texas. The darkest truths from the darkest web need to be told. And you must listen to the beyond top secret Texan. Shalom, iron, sharpens iron, and a friend, sharpens a friend, thank you all very much for tuning in to the, up a, up a, well, it's, uh, another broadcast of Beyond the Beyond Top Secret Texan, I am the Beyond Top Secret Texan, I am broadcasting to you from the third coast the, coast the coast, the Gulf Coast of Texas, and it's my pride and privilege to be doing so, thank each and every one of you out there in Dreamland for tuning in to this amazing episode, so that is the right time to use that word. I've switched over from saying podcast to broadcast, and this is the time when I introduce the episode. But not before I thank each and every one of you for supporting me. If this is your first episode, this is going to be your, you know, 200th episode. Thank you each and every one of you for spending just a little bit of your time, which I know is more precious than gold. and paying attention to what I have to say. Even if you don't take it seriously, even if you're thinking that it's all just schizo-posting, etc. Thank you all, regardless, I hope the seeds have been planted. And I hope you start thinking a little bit more critically, a little bit more imaginatively, and a little bit more creatively about your place in the universe and life itself. Thank you all, each and every one of you. For those that like, share, and subscribe, definitely thank you, those who share, because this is a grassroots effort, and it takes each and every one of you to spend at least five seconds with every new episode liking, sharing it on your social media, Twitter, Facebook, what have you, Instagram, etc. posting the links up wherever you can, uh, taking your time to share it with Reddit, etc wherever the kids are hanging out these days online. Uh, five stars always helps, but your honest rating of the show is appreciated, and every year I do read the ratings out loud, so uh, jump in on that. Even if you have a one-star hit Comments deeply appreciate them for the, for the cannon fodder that they become during the end-of-the-year, you know, post-year wrap-up special. So, yeah, definitely let loose your dogs of war, and let me know just what you think about this podcast, what can be changed, etc. And use as many cuss words and hyperbole and ad hominem attacks as you possibly can. That's what makes those end of the year episodes so good—is reading the hate mail, and the threats, etc. So, uh, that being said, thank you for those that actually genuinely do like this podcast, and thank you for those that genuinely do like my social media posts. I uh, see you out there. Uh, each and every one of you, those that support, thank you from the bottom of my heart, um, it's incredible, it really is, um, nice to see you guys donating financially, to see you guys liking and sharing and subscribing to leave positive comments, etc, it really does make my day, and it really is um, the sunlight that is, that is you know, allowing me to grow and thrive, so thank you each and every one of you who have been here since 2020, and thank you each and every one of you that will be here in 2030. So getting on with this episode, we're going to be talking about brainwashing, propaganda, information control, mass manipulation, and state control. That's right, everybody. We're going to be talking about brainwashing, propaganda, information control, mass manipulation, and state control. Once again, brainwashing, propaganda, information control, mass manipulation, and state control. And how they're all connected. This is a post made on x this is an incredible post. Definitely a diamond in the rough type post, with everything from huge, well thought out uh, posts to important green text to real people speaking amongst each other, uh, whether or not they be completely organic or just higher level intelligence agents vetting and, and speaking their mind on these certain issues. Uh, you know, who is to say? That's why these things are anonymous. But to get into it, I'll be reading the posts. I'll be trying to include only the most relevant ones, of course, but I will not be editing or uh, censoring the posts I do read. I will be reading them as they are written by the author and just including them into the episode uh, as they appear. I believe this is a very lengthy thread. It might take me near an hour or two hours to include everything, uh, but I will be trying to read it uh, quickly and to streamline it, but including all the relevant information. It has been added to since uh, I last saw it. I had this start on July 18th, 2023. It is now July 25th, 2023, so it has increased in size substantially since when I was eyeing it to the episode, so we will be trying to dive into it and get to the bottom of it, regardless how long that takes. So let's get into it. First post by Anonymous, July 18th, 2023. Brainwashing, propaganda, information control, mass manipulation, and state control. Those are the keywords, the title. You can search that through 4chan Archives to read this for yourself. <clears throat> I really hope X still pays attention to the world around him. How do you know you're not a victim of brainwashing or surreptitious manipulation by consumerism or political elites? Can you be sure your thoughts are your own and not a product of what you consume? How often do you pause and ask yourself when and why did they start to believe this? In 1948, this film used to be shown to high school students to help them recognize when they were being manipulated. It's hard to imagine such a film being shown today at any age group because it seems that we no longer live in a society where forming your own views and thoughts is accepted. We see censorship and authoritarianism on the rise all across Western civilization. One issue is that people are inherently social creatures due to our nature and history. We seek ways to fit into a collective because a collective offers levels of protection as well as a sense of belonging. Historically, it's been necessary to fit in and match the consensus of those around you. Otherwise, you would risk being ostracized, which would have made life exponentially more difficult, as well as survival. This inherent trait has also resulted in our species being extremely easy to control, as long as people feel like they're aligned with what's popular or what they perceive to be a consensus. In this threat, I'd like to discuss how information is used to control people as well as how that information is curated by economic elites to promote specific agendas and narratives. real as an actual poster that was published in the UK and it has a bunch of eyes and it says secure under the watchful eyes of the state. And it's very Illuminati. Reply. You're barking up the wrong tree, Adon. This place is a shithole full of LARPers, shills, and insecure faggots who would rather look for things they can fight about to feel better about their miserable lives. It's not what it was in the past. They're suggesting manipulation to a group who all see themselves as infallible and like they hold some secret truth just by being themselves. They're some of the easiest to control, and it shows. Answer. It's not... Entirely unexpected, however. It doesn't mean I will not at least try to post something worth thinking about that includes some information that others may find interesting. I guess if even a couple of people take the time to pause and consider or participate in the discussion, then it'll be worth it, you know? On that note, a good example of mass manipulation, propaganda, and how people have their views manipulated to serve those running our institutions can be found through the report from Iron Mountain. For people who aren't familiar, it was a document released in 1972 by a supposed group of 15 individuals. Peace was not in the interest of a stable society that even if lasting peace could be achieved, it would almost certainly not be the best interest of the society to achieve it. War was a part of the economy, therefore it was necessary to conceive a state of war for a stable economy. The government, the group theorized, would not exist without war, and nation-states existed in order to wage this war. War served the vital function of diverting collective aggressions. They recommended credible substitutes and paying a blood price to emulate the economic functions of war. Prospective government devised alternatives to war, including reports of alien life forms, the reintroduction of a euphemized form of slavery, consistent with modern technology and political processes, and one deemed particularly promising and gaining the attention of the malleable masses, the threat of gross pollution of the environment. It would seem that this is pretty accurate as well. We've seen for decades now how the U.S. and some other Western countries have been in a constant state of war because the U.S. economy is a wartime economy. That being the case, we could also assume that much of what we read and view in media would naturally be manufactured to help that. I wonder if people are aware of the CIA has actually helped create movies. Check out the documentary Threats of War, How the Pentagon and the CIA Took Over Hollywood by Roger Stahl. They accessed uh, 30,000 pages of classified Department of Defense internal records under the Freedom of Information Act and discovered that the Department of Defense Entertainment Media Office only gave action filmmakers permission to utilize military equipment and weaponry in exchange for complete script control. People may think it's only a few movies here and there, but through the FOIA information collected, it was discovered that over 2,500 movies and TV shows were involved. The Pentagon was also involved in the production of hundreds of other movies, including Godzilla and Fast and Furious 8, but there are countless movies that never even got made because they didn't approve of the subject matter. The use of Hollywood not only as a way to manipulate how people view military aggression internationally, but also as a recruitment tool, which I'm sure doesn't shock anyone. Practically everything you consume in America is a state media social conditioning tool. All these companies pretend to be free agents, but actually answer to a few dozen Washington spooks, glowies, and Jews. I think most people are uncomfortable with the realization that many of their views aren't necessarily their own. I know I am. Even recognizing that doesn't mean you can change it either, at least not easily. It takes self-reflection, awareness, and reassessment. How many people in your life do you think take the time to do these things regularly? Even while I truly believe we've been inculcated with certain ideologies and beliefs as a method of control to influence our views, I struggle with trying to figure out what views are truly my own on any particular subject. There are quite a few things that almost seem set in stone from the way I was raised or taught to view things. When people think of the dangers of AI, they often think of what they've seen in books, film, and TV. It's all very action-oriented. As exciting as those may be to consider, it's far more likely that the AI will be used in much more insidious and subtle ways. Online communities and technology continue to grow, and one major concern of mine is that some people soon won't be able to distinguish between whether they're talking to AI or actual people. The implications of this should be obvious with considerations to the world we currently live in and how large amounts of people can be manipulated. AI will be able to weaponize human behavior and make it so people begin to believe various narratives simply because they'll believe it will help them to match what they perceive to be the popular consensus, what they'll see as everyone around them believing or participating in. Anyone who attempts to think independently and argue a different perspective will be bombarded by a flood of artificial responses that are well articulated and indistinguishable from a real person. They will argue a point in large numbers and with incredible efficiency, making it appear as if vast amounts of people disagree with a person or idea or agree with themselves. They'll even be able to gaslight and provoke others to ostracize anyone who doesn't conform. Even if people realize this reality, they'll still be unable to determine at any given moment whether they're talking to an actual person who believes these things or an AI meant to create a new artificial consensus to promote a specific agenda. What's the solution? The fact that most dialogue occurs on a handful of sites might make it convenient, but it also might make it easier to focus resources for the purpose of control. It's very common for intel agencies, particularly the CIA, to use journalists as assets or even embed agents within large media organizations. While the overall view of journalism has changed dramatically in more recent times, that hasn't always been the case. More importantly, while more informed people have developed a justified distrust of modern journalism, the average person has no idea what they're consuming. It's nothing more than fairy tales and fantasy in many cases. Journalists make it their job to dig for information and secrets. Historically, most people have been comfortable talking with journalists and providing them with information that they otherwise wouldn't disclose to others. Then there's also the most obvious and important reason, which is that people listen to journalists and place a tremendous amount of trust in the idea that they are being told the truth. That's why people should learn about Operation Mockingbird. Mockingbird was a project undertaken by the CIA where over 400 American journalists were working as direct assets for the CIA. This number doesn't even include international outlets. These outlets included all of the largest print and media. Senator Frank Church eventually created a committee known as the Church Committee in order to investigate potential government abuses of power. The CIA openly admitted to their manipulation of the mainstream media with the goal of controlling America's views as international and political issues. The CIA even published a book called Family Jewels, which details the illegal and questionable activities conducted by the CIA. The scary takeaway of this is that if you can be sure that this wasn't an isolated incident of the past, the same thing is going on to this very day. There's a lot to unpack if you were to show just how much propaganda, narrative control, and just pure insanity was published in the last five to ten years. I can quickly think of half a dozen or more instances where media got caught lying or pushing false information. It's escalated to an alarming degree, and there's no signs of it slowing. With the stated objective of organizations such as the World Economic Forum, you can be sure that some very powerful people whom nobody voted for or chose to us as our representatives are currently engaged in an attempt to gain full authoritarian control over the masses, all while hiding behind a disguise of virtue. Even the institutions designed to protect the people have been bought and paid for and seem to be colluding with them as well. There's a numerous practices, typically reserved for totalitarian regimes, that have been rebranded and turned against the people, yet the average person has never even heard of them or even noticed. People should be worried by events currently unfolding, but most of it are ignorant to it, or even worse, believe the media when they say it's not happening. These economic and political elites running things seem to be more or less on the same page. Meanwhile, most people are still engrossed in petty squabbles, manufactured to keep them distracted and divided. The Great Reset. You will own nothing and you will be happy. That's not an optimistic prediction of some utopian future that's coming our way. It's a demand. Many people want to know what exactly their plan is by accomplishing this. What most of those same people don't know, however, is that you could actually read all about their plan right now. Klaus Schwab, the founder and current executive chairman of the World Economic Forum, has actually written a book that outlines exactly what his plans for the future are. The book is titled The Fourth Industrial Revolution. Our lives are moving towards an authoritarian-controlled dystopian nightmare where everything and I do very much mean damn near everything will be based on a subscription model. You like season passes, don't you, Anon? Some of their short-term goals are be complete as published in 2019. report funded by the WF titled The Future of Urban Consum- or Consumption in a 1.5 Degrees Celsius World are truly crazy. Did you know that included in all of this is a uniform that all citizens will required to wear? As outlined by the WEF, their goal is to limit people to being able to buy only three new clothing items per person per year, and to eliminate fashion altogether. Did you know their plan is to force all of humanity into becoming vegan or eating meat alternatives, the fancy way of saying lab-grown bugs? Did you know their goal is to make sure that nobody owns private vehicles anymore? You'll be taking public transport, sharing a car, walking, or riding a bike, with the goal of making all cities so packed that you can live right next to where you work. I'm sure many of you are wondering what this has to do with propaganda and narrative control, etc. In just a few days, the U.S. is planning to launch its own new digital currency. I've been yelling like a schizo along with many others, obviously, about this coming for years now. Now it's actually here. While they love to slap a veneer of convenience over top of it, saying that it's being done because it's the future and it will offer unparalleled convenience, the truth is far more sinister. It usually ends up being these days. Creating the digital currency is just the final step with the end goal being the elimination of physical currency altogether. Once they successfully eliminate physical currency from our society, you may as well kiss your ass goodbye because it's game over. They're going to create author author. globalist society unlike anything the world has ever seen and people are going to drool and shovel straight into it because of the convenience and comfort they promise they always keep their promises currently people think that the only China has a social credit system however that's not actually true all western countries now have their own social credit system in place and it's working remarkably well in fact it's working so well that's why the WEF's plans are still moving forward unimpeded The Western version of the social credit score looks a little bit different, though, instead of how it operates in places like China, where citizens are tagged with a score. In the West, it's corporations that are being tagged with a social credit score. This score is known as a corporations as an ESG score. ESG stands for Environmental, Social, and Governance. Ever wonder why woke stuff continues to get pushed, even though it continually fails and bombs? This ESG score... The solution will be to abandon the entirely fake and gay internet. Just like many of us abandoned TV years ago. Maybe we will move to a different medium. Eventually, the controllers will follow us there and flood the zone with shit, as they always do, but it's still something to look forward to. We move on, they play catch up. They shit in our pool, we move on again. Maybe we can only talk to people in real life, face to face, and assume any electronic medium is artificial trying to make us buy stuff and brainwash us, and we only use it briefly as a tool for necessity. In fact, if you pay attention to people IRL, you will notice that their wealthy elite types, including their children, are not glued to their smartphones. They rarely look at them unless they are making a call or making a transaction or similar as a tool. The people who are completely glued to their screens, constantly scrolling TikTok deep in a hypnotic trance, They are the working classes, the poor, anxiety-riddled, medicated up to their eyeballs, poisoned, brainwashed, enslaved masses. Pay attention IRL. Pay less attention online. Your attention is your currency and it's very valuable and on. Increase so. So you give it away much more sparingly and with great discretion. With a digital currency being the only option available, people will be put into a position where they make any statement that is too inflammatory, or if their track purchases demonstrate that they support companies with a low ESG score, the government will have the option to make it so that you're unable to access your currency. Think about that for a moment. In addition, with every purchase you ever make fully tracked through a digital currency purchasing system, the government will now every penny you earn or will know every penny you earn or spend it at all times as well as a fully itemized list of what it was you bought. I'm sure people can see how these countless possibilities where it removes power from people and gives corporations and government complete and total control over your life. Have you ever been buying things from a company with a low ESG? Well, Meme Corporation finds that because you don't fall in line as you should, you may not be the best candidate to hire. Want a loan? Well, the bank sees that you support low ESG companies and doesn't want to do business with you. I'm a bit tired, so I don't feel like making more examples. Plus, it's actually pretty clear no one is actually reading this thread anyway besides the one, Anon, who keeps posting. It's a shame that apathy seems to rule the world now. When the time comes, people will all scream like retards. How did it happen? How did it come to this? It won't even be worth explaining to them at that point. Just eat your bug bar and laugh as you walk away. Try to get the message out, particularly to nieces and nephews, that life doesn't happen through a screen, but everywhere around them. Of course, you know how kids can be. It's something they will have to figure out on their own. All I can do is offer guidance to them. Ultimately, they'll be the ones to make their choices. One of the biggest mistakes people ever made with regards to the internet was going along with the large corporations shrinking the internet down to a handful of mega communities using social media. Once they began placing speech restriction laws, as we're seeing them do in many countries around the world at this very moment, the ability to openly share information discuss things that go against the designated narratives will either vanish completely or move to underground communities that are tightly controlled. This is a great example of how places like these boards are being monitored and how these in power are not only analyzing them but creating AI in order to mitigate the threat that they pose. This is being done to an attempt to remove any dialogue that they see as a threat to their agenda or narrative. In the coming years, it will become increasingly more difficult for people to differentiate between whether they are talking to an actual person or whether they are engaged with an AI bot meant to promulgate a mainstream agenda. These AI will have nearly unlimited processing capabilities that's intrinsically tied to the internet, giving them access to all of the world's information. If you go talk with ChatGPT at this very moment, you can see in real time how it's been programmed to promote certain subjective narrative promoted by fanatic activists and is also unable to create counter-arguments to dispute them. It's not that these arguments don't exist either. It's that it's been programmed to outright not include them. This is something that everyone is capable of testing for themselves right now. One easy way of distinguishing between human and AI will be AI's reliance on making arguments from authority. As a type of aggregator that is able to communicate, they'll follow their programming to promote what they're told with countless links from authoritative mainstream sources while dismissing any support evidence to the contrary. People like to think that AI bots are nothing more than a meme, when in truth they're being developed at an alarming rate and will be widely deployed soon, if not already. Their goal will be to eliminate any beliefs or movements that run counter to the designated agendas and creations of artificial consensus in the minds of the normies. Many will support and celebrate this as a win for their side, but that's because they're myopic and lack the ability to conceptualize how it will inevitably be used against them in the future as well. In the U.S., the government has a long history of attempting to at removing people's ability to express free speech. The first instance I can think of is this occurring would be the Sedition Act of 1798. This was signed into law by the President John Adams. The Sedition Act made it illegal to write, print, utter, or publish any false, scandalous, or malicious writing or writings against the government. The penalty for doing so was such a person being therefore convicted before any court of the United States having jurisdiction thereof shall be punished by a fine not exceeding $2,000 and by imprisonment not exceeding two years. It shouldn't need to be said that this was in direct violation of the Constitution's first amendments. It also didn't matter, as the purpose was explicit and to silence them, anyone who didn't agree with them. For a while, this was the law of land, and people were arrested and convicted for breaking this law. When Thomas Jefferson was elected in 1800, he said the law was a rod of iron to silence others. All those convicted under the act were pardoned and released as the law was justifiably eliminated. But there are plenty of other instances where similar laws have either been put in place or attempts have been made to censor and silence the people from using the power of the government. When things are peaceful, people are much more hesitant to relinquish their freedoms and liberties to those in power. That's not always the case during a crisis, though. In times such as war, a terrorist attack, or a pandemic, the propaganda created by the government and their media partners will convince people that certain rights must be sacrificed in the name of safety and security. And any objection or protest, this would be unpatriotic or un-American. History again shows this to be the case even during the American Civil War. Throughout the war, newspapers with Reporters and editors were arrested without due processes for opposing the draft, discouraging enlistments in the Union Army, or even criticizing the income tax. In the vast majority of instances, the government restrained the free press without any legal process. The most famous limitation on individual speech resulted from Burnside's General Order No. 38 announcing that treason, expressed or implied, would not be tolerated. The order proclaimed that the habit of declaring sympathies for the enemy will not be allowed in this department and that anyone violating the order would be imprisoned or sent beyond our lines into the lines of their friends. There's a lot which highlights how history often rhymes. Much of what's written shares many similarities with how people act today. Nonetheless, the government seemed to that whatever was necessary to win the war was on the table. That included disregarding the First Amendment if that's what it took. In 1863, The Truth from an Honest Man essay, Lincoln himself justified violating the First Amendment by opposing the question of whether he should shoot a simple-minded soldier boy who deserts, while I must not touch a hair of a wily agitator who induces him to desert. In April 1917, when the U.S. entered the World War, President Woodrow Wilson declared that Germany had fulfilled our unsuspecting community and even our offices of government with spies and set criminal intrigues everywhere afoot against our national unity. Using this, he then went on to pass the Espionage Act of 1917. This law gave the DOJ the power to charge individuals from disloyalty and gave the Postmaster General the power to restrict mail. The Supreme Court, whose very job is to interpret and uphold the Constitution, not only failed to protect free speech, but furthered its degradation following the 1919 case of Schenck versus the United States. They ruled that Schenck posed a clear and present danger after he distributed its leaflets, thus suggesting that military drafts were a form of involuntary servitude, which it unequivocally is and therefore the draft was in violation of the 13th Amendment. The Schink case inspired the now infamous shouting fire in a theater statement to justify suppression of free speech culturally. According to the Foundation for Individual Rights and the Expression of the Espionage Act, saw 2,168 people prosecuted by the end of the war. Out of all those, 1,055 of these people would be convicted and punished with fines up to $10,000 and up to 20 years of imprisonment. After the attack on Pearl Harbor, the U.S. entered World War II. At that time, President Franklin Roosevelt signed Executive Order 8985, which established the Office of Censorship, which doesn't sound ominous at all. Without approval from Congress, Roosevelt gave the direction of the Office of Censorship the power to censor international communications at his absolute discretion. For this, we have the National Archives, who keeps records of such shenanigans, saying, On December 8, 1941, the Secretary of War ordered corps area commanders to inaugurate censorship of telephone and telegraph wires crossing international borders. Three days later, FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover, on presidential authority, helped set up a postal censorship program to be carried out by the War Department. He was ordered to hold this temporary position until a civilian replacement could be chosen. Thankfully, the Office of Censorship was abolished in 1945. But the relationship between the government and the press, and by extension people's free speech, was about to change forever in the coming years with the introduction of television news directly broadcasting into people's homes. Now it would be possible for any event to be recorded and to shown to millions of people in the comfort of their own living rooms. When the Vietnam War began, most people had TVs. People were expecting to get a glimpse of what they had previously only ever heard about on the radio, but that didn't end up being the case. Here's an article from the Harvard Crimson, which is titled, Vietnam, a Censored War. Only about 22% of all television reports from Vietnam before 1968 showed actual combat. And often this was minimal. A few incoming mortar rounds or a crackle of sniper fire in the distance. What was actually happening was something still practiced to this day in which a new form of censorship was created using media as the mouthpiece. What we began to see was a non-critical reporting taking the place of outright censorship. The reason was simple. During the Vietnam War, U.S. troops were doing just fine until reporters showed up. Then they started beaming all sorts of gory pictures back home and where lots of people who had been watching game shows decided to begin protesting. Once people were able to see war, once they had finally had a chance to witness what propaganda reels of the past never showed, what veterans at previous wars had whispered to loved ones alone and moments of vulnerability sharing the scars their battles left behind, They didn't have the stomach for it. The people were now waking up to the truth of war, so the government decided they needed to go back to sleep. What's interesting about this article, written in 1991, as you can tell, it was from a time when media trust was still high. As a whole, it seemed as if journalism still strove to serve the people. Those days are gone now. After Vietnam, the Pentagon Papers, and Watergate, a more cynical press emerged, one that was unwilling to caught in the government's request for non-critical reporting. One has to wonder if perhaps they were just simply in the dark about the true nature and corruption present in their industry. The first Gulf War was 43 days of combat with a quick United States victory. When freelance journalist and longtime NBC News contributor John Alpert visits Iraq and filmed hours of footage of the collateral damage, his relationship with NBC was terminated. The network cited a previous mistake Alpert had previously made earlier, years earlier, but by that point it was in the past and they had used him many times after the incident for other important stories. In reality, what he had recorded did not fit the narrative that the networks were now pushing on behalf of the government. CNN helped to get people to support the war was how it was done moving forward. A 1991 Variety article has more detail, saying it was the kind of footage that could have landed Alpert in an Iraqi jail as a spy. After viewing Alpert's footage, NBC Nightly News, topper Steve Friedman, and anchorman Tom Brokaw knew they had a scoop and were eager to put the stuff on the air. But NBC News supremo Michael Gartner, who never saw the footage, put the kibosh on the deal. And he put an end to Alpert's 12-year relationship with the Peacock Nets news division. Alpert took his footage to competitor CBS. CBS executive producer Tom Bittag tentatively approved it but once again the content never aired on television while Elpert was cutting the piece he got a call from CBS informing him that Bittag had been fired and that his piece was being killed by the time he went to ABC the news division had a man in Baghdad a quote that Harvard Crimson article makes clear the government's stance on this you can't do me any good and he sure as hell can do me harm. When an unidentified U.S. military commander in the Persian Gulf said this to New York Times reporter Malcolm W. Brown recently, he summed up the American military's anti-press attitude during the Gulf War. The incident was not an isolated one. During the War on Terror and invasion of Iraq in 2003, the media continued the trend of non-critical reporting and even broadcasted printed justifications for this new war. More often than not, the experts providing analysis were pro-war who went completely unopposed by any differing ideas. They helped to promote completely false government narratives such as WMDs and bioweapons created to justify the invasion and to elicit support from the public following 9-11. They churned out patriotic propaganda and calculated the masses with a sense of moral duty to serve the world from terrorists. Where patriotism didn't work, you could be sure that manipulation through fear would. One excellent example of this was the color-coded terror threat system that was plastered on every network and outlet. Whenever there was a contentious topic being discussed, you could almost be sure that the terror threat would suddenly be increased to orange or red. In an excerpt from a book titled, When the Press Fails, we once again see the same old would a should have We have found a number of instances of coverage that was not as rigorous as it should have been. In some cases, information that was controversial then and seems questionable now was insufficiently qualified or allowed to stand unchallenged. Looking back, we wish we had been more aggressive in re-examining the claims as new evidence emerged or failed to emerge. Sensing a theme yet? This sounds closer to what we've seen more recently. The article comes close to recognizing some of the issues with the press. However, it still misses the mark. As usual, it's nothing but a series of deflections and excuses without recognizing that the biggest issue is the culture surrounding the press itself. The fear of losing access to certain people and venues, as well as the fear of individually being wrong or not aligning with the views are their peers. Required reading, The Interdisciplinary Handbook of Perceptual Control Theory, Living Control Systems 4. Ever heard of the Disinformation Governance Board? You can read about this lovely dystopian nightmare that's recently been created here. Most people probably don't even know it exists. This is a new panel created by the Department of Homeland Security for the purpose of censorship. As the article states, the panel is designed to police misinformation. False information spread unintentionally, slash disinformation, false information spread intentionally, slash malinformation, factual information shared typically out of context with harmful intent, slash, that all allegedly threaten U.S. interests. They want to be the arbiters of truth. The actual truth, however, is just a cover-up to protect their financial and political interests and those with corporate uh, partnership. It's really hard to conduct a war when people can ask questions or point out your lies. Don't forget the U.S. is a wartime economy that's dependent on conflict. Just check the report from Iron Mountain mentioned earlier to learn more. It's not some wacky conspiracy either. It's something taking place in current day society. Another step towards the globalist run authoritarian society that many have warned is approaching. They use COVID and the vaccine plus the fairy tales that they create themselves from the 2016 election of Russian manipulation as the reasoning they would well, this cudgel against free speech. DHS's mission to fight disinformation stemming from concerns about Russian influence in the 2016 presidential election began taking shape during the 2020 election and over efforts to shape discussion around vaccine policy during the coronavirus pandemic. Basically, they're using ghost stories as a way to create a world where no one can speak against them. They love to the fear and tell the public it's for your safety. But in reality, it's entirely to help expedite the agendas of those in power. The Twitter Files is a perfect showcase of corruption and censorship happening now. With 2016's election demonstrating to elites just how powerful a tool like the internet can be, new players have entered the game. Big tech intelligence agencies began working on behalf of the club. They're a part to ensure no outsiders would ever be able to repeat what took place. Make no mistake, this was a case where those in power were upset that any outsider had intruded upon their sacred club. In the last decade or so, we've seen government weaponized against its own people to a level never before seen. You can find articles pointing out the corruption buried within many websites that barely saw any mainstream attention by design. Here is an article from Newsweek asking, where is the outrage? The points listed are, This is part in the play when some rowdy voice shouts from the cheap seats that Twitter is a private corporation, it's not government. True enough, but the government can't enlist a private citizen or corporation to undertake what the Constitution precludes it from doing. The evidence now is all out there. The FBI handed out top-secret security clearances to Twitter employees, ostensibly without the weeks of extensive background checking that I and other top Justice Department officials had to undergo. Then, FBI officials created a special secure online portal for Twitter staff where the two sides could secretly exchange information about who was saying what on the platform and how that speech could be squelched in this virtual war room. The FBI made dozens of requests to censor political speech. Twitter chirpily complied. The story surrounding Hunter Biden's laptop. Great example of how the political elites weaponized our institutions against the people and protect people in power from facing the consequences of criminal activity. It's not even the greatest example either. You can see here how government colluded with big tech to censor information that was detrimental to their goals. In Twitter files number seven, we presented evidence promoting or pointing to an organized effort by representatives of the intelligence community IC aimed at senior executives at news and social media companies to discredit leaked information about Hunter Biden before and after it was published. At the same time that mindless drones were screaming Russian disinformation and doing the government's work for them, all the evidence they would have needed was available to verify authenticity at any time. What's making it all more disgusting is the content on the laptop itself which anyone who followed the leaks as as they happened knows that depths of depravity it held, as well as correspondence showing that it wasn't a secret from his father and the rest of the family. People who haven't followed how deeply feds are embedded in social media really need to read what was linked to get a glimpse. As of 2020, there were so many former FBI employees, Boo alumni, working at Twitter that they had created their own private Slack channel and a crib sheet to onboard new FBI arrivals. And yet it's inconceivably, or inconceivable Baker believed that Hunter Biden emails were either faked or hacked. The NY Post had included a picture of the receipt signed by Hunter Biden and an FBI subpoena showed that the agency had taken possession of the laptop in December 2019. I highly encourage people look up the specialty of the agent on the subpoena for the laptop. Then you'll know why they began panicking. Our institution continues to rot from the inside. A new Twitter alternative called Threads. Oh, it's created by Mark Zuckerberg. No wonder media are running what amounts to commercials for it. But why? It's because the platform literally advocates for censorship and the media want the power back. That has been slipping their grasp most recently. I'll state it as bluntly as possible so even idiots understand. The media absolutely hates you, and anyone who would dare to question them. Saying that is not hyperbole, but a demonstrable fact. When media is forced to compete by merit of their argument or facts presented, they will almost always lose. Because their job isn't to report the truth, it's to operate as a propaganda machine that serves the interests of those in charge. Having the ability to speak against them and point out their lies is antithetical to their objective. They having a voice in society is in the way. I highly suggest looking up some videos of media talking about threads launching. You'll get a good laugh after this. Here's an article titled Meta's New Threads app is censoring from day one. It's been so bad that it's already made it to the House Judiciary Committee already. And of course, there are already people in government colluding with Meta to help with the censorship. Quote Since the committee's subpoena to Meta, we have obtained additional evidence that the federal government has coerced or colluded with technology, social media, and other companies to moderate content online. These examples reinforce the committee's serious concerns about whether the executive branch is engaging in censorship by proxy using surrogates to censor, suppress, or discourage speech in a manner that the government is unable to do itself. Why are they unable to do it? Because of constitutional rights and the fact the government cannot act to contradict the Constitution. Threads is notable in that it's a platform that, by design, is meant to promulgate propaganda for the establishment. Nothing else. While other platforms became corrupted slowly over time, Threads was designed to be corrupt from the start. It's a tool to push approved narratives. It's meant for a specific group. The same fanatic uh, parrot chicks constantly parroting consumer mismanufactured shibboleths, and proselytizing their chaotic visions of an impossible utopia who claim to be anti-establishment and fighting the system. But they are the same people the platform was designed for. It makes this article think Threads, Mark Zuckerberg's safe space, with the quote, Indeed, on Thread's first day of operations, users already reported having their posts taken down, mainly for political reasons. Some accounts say they are being blacklisted or graylisted. When you try to follow a problematic person on Threads, you might be warned that their account has posted false information or has violated community guidelines censorship techniques that have been honed by meta on facebook and instagram are already being zealously deployed on threads that so many people are willing to genuflect to authoritarianism is primarily due to their consumerism habits and insecurity put another way They've been brainwashed. Might seem like an inflammatory statement. However, anyone who has spent any modicum amount of time interacting with these people would notice that their morals, principles, and views are all extremely flexible for ideological expediency. Their actions prove how little their didactic preaching truly means. It makes sense that people desperate to fit in all the costs will follow whatever helps achieve that. In my view, they clearly present cognitive dissonance and the primary contributors to their rage that often gets pointed out by those who reflect back after they disassociate from these types. Indoctrination starts in education. Academia, is, ha, made this plenty apparent. Or academia has made this plainly apparent. No longer are higher learning institutions interested in creating free thinking individuals who possess valuable problem solving and critical thinking skills. Their new modest operandi is to raise well-behaved drones who bark and clap on command like trained seals desperate for a treat. Although the days of YouTube videos popping up daily about campus drama seem to have faded, that doesn't mean the problem hasn't gotten better. In fact, it continues to get worse. Sheep creating sheep without a shepherd in sight. There an article to read is Silence the Sheep, academia's new censorship that lets us see how bad things are. The resolution arose because some disgruntled students posted a set of course slides from a mandatory teacher preparation class at the university's College of Education that amounted little more than indoctrination and agitprop for social justice causes. Styling the posting of the slides as akin to the Capitol riot, activist faculty called for all students and faculty who shared the slides to be punished. The resolution redefined such normal criticism of faculty teaching and programs as harassment and bullying thus making an assault on academic freedom in the name of academic freedom. Undoubtedly, the establishment goons are gleeful that academia is doing their work for them. Universities aren't just discouraging certain ideas anymore. They're outright banning them and punishing people who raise any objections. In the name of tolerance, these disgusting specimens of humanity have become some of the most intolerant people ever to exist. Again, much like media, when forced to compete by merit of their arguments or facts presented, they will almost always lose. Their solution is to take away the opposition's ability to speak. These academics are a special kind of evil. Intolerance is now embedded as a feature in nearly every academic institution. Strange, huh? The same people constantly soapboxing about how hateful the world is, to feel like good people in the laziest way possible since it's far easier to say virtuous things than take action to do them, are also the same ones who exhibit the worst elements of humanity. There is the old passé saying, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Ain't that the truth of it? Except these solipsistic narcissists only worship their odious dogma and themselves and have abandoned any sort of meaningful spirituality, whether theological, esoteric, or personal. As of an attempt to one-upmanship to their virtue-chasing, this article almost seems like a parody of reality. This article, titled, Princeton Professors want Want the Power to Punish Researchers They Deem Racist, That deemed is constitution a committee composed entirely of faculty that would oversee the investigation and discipline of racist behaviors, incidents, research, and publication on the part of faculty, following the protocol for grievance and appeal to be spelled out in rules and procedures of the faculty. Guidelines on what counts as racist behaviors, incidences, research, and publication will be authored by a faculty committee for incorporation to the same set of rules and procedures. Yes, they want to fight racist research. Their objective is the very antithesis of what institutions meant to offer iridution should be. This madness elucidates how the narratives being promoted to keep people divided are effective in causing the drooling zombies to obsequiously conform to what they're being told. Make no mistakes either. The big issue is that these brainwashed clowns are entrusted with educating youth so you can be damn sure their beliefs will be inculcated to them. Points made. You are not wrong. They are definitely trying to bring about some creepy technocratic utopian world order. Two. They desperately need us to believe they are capable of doing this. Fear their perceived power and obey them in order to make this work. Three. They are fucking retarded. And they will fuck this up. Disobey them. Sabotage. Drag your feet and mock them. They will all fail. Pay enough attention to the propaganda so you know what the plan is and how to monkey wrench, but not so much that you fall prey to their fear mongering. Those who disassociate with the groups mentioned frequently talk about how they have lived their state of perpetual confusion and anger because they were promoting what often contradictory ideas. They'll point out that in time they were aware of this but continued to participate for myriads of reasons. Sometimes it was social acceptance in their circles, fear of being ostracized for expressing views that didn't align, actions that aligned with what they advocated, the world around them not reflecting what they were consuming, and the reasons go on and on. There are people saturated in these groups at this very moment who also see these people coming forward and sharing their videos or in views that they feel threatened by. They celebrate censorship and echo chambers because it helps to keep others from being exposed to ideas or information that may have them question the prescribed dogma. The pretending is, uh, They pretend it's for some altruistic and righteous reason, but in reality it's self-serving and to reinforce their ideological fanaticism. Anyone who would try to censor and silence others is doing so because they fear they would say and the influence it would have against their own interests. Tech companies manipulate people using algorithms, which is why many cannot fathom being wrong. One of the most common ways that's used today to silence dissenting voices is information suppression. I enjoy learning more about it because it provides the tools necessary to access any given situation. The methods used vary besides simple censorship, and you'll see it across every industry and institution on a global scale. It's also always a pleasant surprise when people within fields that are under heavy-handed control stand up to powers that be and push back. While I typically lack the platform and following to reach a massive amount of people, these voices add up over time. New Zealand has been a country that's been interested in observing and following in the last few years. During COVID, they were one of the ones that took some of the more drastic measures. While most of the world has moved on, as of February of this year, they are still those attempting to break through the wall placed by those in power. Here's an example talking about COVID and the vaccine titled The Long Read. Suppression of information and investigation in New Zealand is still continuing. Quote, One of the most effective ways to repress occupied populations is to cut out sources of information and remove the possibility of investigation. It's a bit long, but a good read when you spare time. One woman quoted within put things into perspective quite well. Quote, I truly expected some compassion and empathy. Instead, I was met with labels, accusations, and blocks. I am sad to say the bulk of it has come from the Twitter medical community. I find it beyond hypocritical to support a vaccine and deny the existence of vaccine injured, especially with clear causation. Sometimes life provides fun synchronicities. Just yesterday, Stanford University. President resigned after it was shown he manipulated several peer-reviewed research papers he submitted while it was nice to see consequences when scumbags surreptitiously attempted to deceive others it's also likely this isn't rare although it shows why so many scoff when told these people are above questioning university that helped censor misinformation admits to spreading it that is the article We have academia, big tech, and government all in one colluding to silence those who go against the designated agenda. Even worse is they make it clear the truth didn't matter, only their objective. Quote, Stanford participated in two projects with the federal government to help big tech platforms censor what they collectively perceive to be false or misleading information. The university, among other entities, faces a First Amendment lawsuit for doing so. Stanford helped catapult catapult the budding field of pseudo-research on digital misinformation and disinformation, terms that have taken academia by storm. Sanford's two initiatives dedicated to censoring election and COVID-19 vaccine claims show the elitist philosophy behind these efforts. The related documents assert that incorrect statements about polit- political topics threaten to undermine confidence in crucial institutions and tear the very fabric of society apart. The reason the threat is so severe the researchers plainly believe is that the public cannot be trusted to discern the truth. That's why the COVID-19 project even censored true statements about vaccines as long as they had the potential to fuel vaccination hesitancy. Hesitancy, Underline that one. The banality ingrained in these institutions is something that I think can be removed at this point. That's why it's important to spread awareness of their mendacious and corrupt natures. I won't even go too deep into more recent events, like COVID and Vax. I find situations that have been suppressed or lost to history to be more fascinating. That said, there is something vaccine-related that ties to the overall theme that many may not know. Back in school, we learned all about illnesses that plagued history and innovations that came from them. One example would be polio, which I remember reading of its awful effects of paralysis, even FDR was left paralyzed, and how some were forced into giant metal beasts known as iron lungs. What if I told you that, too, is an instance of propaganda and not representative of reality? Piccarille is a famous picture that many are not familiar with. Most think it looks like into the past at the polio epidemic and shows how hospitals were dealing with the situation. But that's not actually the case. The picture is a staged photo. It's not real. It was created in 1953 as part of an information film produced by the March of Dimes. But to this day, it still gets used as a representation of what happened by media. But that's not all. Much of the need for iron lungs themselves weren't due to polio. They were due to polio vaccine and a pharma company rushing to get to the market. This is known as the Cutter Incident, something most history books leave out. It was a big deal at the time and a reason for many safeguards we have today. And you can read about it on the article Health, When Polio Vaccines Backfired, Tainted Batches uh... Quote, the first case of polio in children who received the tainted vaccine were reported to regulators on April 25, 1955, two weeks after the nation began to drive to vaccinate millions of school children. Before it was over, 164 people would suffer permanent paralysis from the cutter vaccine or from the outbreak of polio triggered by it. Ten people died. At times, it's necessary to take a more heuristic approach when discussing things as it can help new perspectives. Let's take a moment to consider why exactly we've embedded in the law, in the U.S. at least, that free speech is paramount to the system we currently have in place. In a time where everyday people praise censorship and even help enforce it in the form of canceling anyone who doesn't conform to their pernicious dogma, it's important to ask, why do people think free speech was created? It certainly wasn't created to protect kind speech. Why would you need a law for that? Everyone wants to hear nice things. It is created specifically to protect speech people didn't want to hear. Of course, that includes hate speech. And I'm not talking about the bastardized version that seems to be anything I don't agree with. It's a small price to pay, however, to be able to speak up against tyrannical megalomaniacs with an unquenchable desire to silence those who get in the way of their rapacious greed for more wealth and power. The simple concept seems completely lost on the vacuous consumers. They're so lost in the virtue signaling and inimical addiction to panic porn that they're unable to conceptualize how the censorship they're advocating for will inevitably be turned against them one day. Many of them have a puerile belief that corporations, politicians, and institutions like the WEF Actually, support their cause because they echo empty catchphrases and have marketing firms pander to their insecurities. How gullible and desperate do you have to be to ingurgitate such fairy tales? When have any of these entities, which demonstrably thrive on exploitation, manipulation, greed, and oppression, ever been honest, charitable, and working towards the betterment of society? Wake up, dummies. Just remember one thing and one thing only. They will never tell you the truth outright. Not unless context allows possibility to hide it. Like when they admit that they sacrifice children under the guise of humor and normies eat it up. Thinking that is an ironic joke. Because usually it'll be everything else. Every single excuse, argument, and theory they will present will be done in a fashion to lead you astray from the truth. This is why glowy shield threads are useful. You come to explore what they promote, and if you're skilled and knowledgeable on the topic, you will seldom see the correct answer. Just yesterday, there was a thread on poll about how search engines are dying. Not a single one of idiots, glowies, and shills provided a solution. Anyone who's tech-savvy knows that there's a way to force engines to work for you by typing in proper commands. The issue is that most normies don't know that. Hence, it's safe to kill engines or make them complex enough to filter out the majority of results. A similar case happens literally on every single topic. Sometimes some good and honest come to drop truth pills, but they're usually ignored because the level of knowledge required to be able to grasp the context simply isn't present. Or because it's all shells getting paid to parrot propaganda at expense of the truth. I've seen time and time again someone write how race mixing, white whores, are as usually assets grown to be perfect propaganda tools. Not a single idiot is willing to admit it. Same with these videos they make to promote outrage. They glow. Yet shills raid with armies trying to convince lurkers that it's real and many of them sadly fall for it. What about OnlyFans then? How many are aware of it's just armies of whores being on payroll by mafia in order to launder money? And that controllers and so-called authorities are in on it because they get a cut. Just like examples above, this shit literally applies to everything they tell us. Economics, climate, immigration, occult, history, physics, and even how controllers operate. It's all bullshit. All of it. The first answer you dig into is never the correct answer. If you, have ne- if you have that as a rule of truth, you're better than 90% of all other peoples. When you believe and trust nothing, it is open-minded enough to keep ideas and topics in mind for future connecting the dot situations you'll be ahead of anyone. And that's the people that they fear. I get what kind of thread this is. I understand the implications behind it, but there are still lurkers in 4chan. And I write it for them because long ago there were people like me who did the very same thing. I guess I'm paying penance for those few who did this before me. Sometimes one lurker reading this, that one comment is all it takes to make a change inside a real person. All answers are complex, sometimes too complex to be believable, but that's why it's so easy to hide the truth. The truth is stranger than fiction. The only time journalists seem to care about free speech is when their click is targeted. Other countries have their own issues when it comes to governments attempting to gain more control, and Western journalists are always quick to point out when it happens abroad, while always conveniently ignoring the propaganda and agendas pushing they take part in. This is the real issue. Oliver Monkey Curl We see now hundreds and hundreds of journalists have been prosecuted There are tens of journalists that are in jail and there are thousands of journalists who self-censorship every day out of fear of being prosecuted for their work Another big difference he says is that Turkey's law allows the courts to decide what is and what isn't disinformation As opposed to who would decide this disinformation? Journalists? This is what offends them. They see themselves as arbiters of what's true. Making it more laughable is that NPR has been one of the more flagrant offenders in recent years of promoting propaganda and agendas. They exist to keep people divided and angry. That's shown pretty clearly in how NPR has become a platform of rage-baiting activism. The New York Post frames it as left versus right issues. Well, I think that's not entirely the case. Those at the top will use whatever side is expedient to fulfill their objective in the mid 0 zeros, It was on the right. We had 9-11 and patriotism was weaponized to empower the establishment, resulting in intrusive implementation such as the Patriot Act. Now it's the left. When the establishment, corporations, and media support a side, you can be sure it's not the people's best interests, only their own. Each time it happens, we see people in society sacrifice a little bit more for the illusion of safety. In 2013... In response to the FOIA requests, the CIA released 574 pages of emails between various national security reporters and the agency's public affairs office. A year later, the material would finally make it to the public. These emails showed clearly how many prominent journalists were essentially serving as CIA assets by sending the agency detailed story notes and at times entire drafts of articles. To grasp how these relationships work and how agencies use media by dangling access above them like a carrot, it helps to see behind the curtain. This 2014 article gives us a chance. The CIA's mop-up man, LA Times reporter, cleared stories with agency before publication. Published from The Intercept, 2014. Quote, I'm working on a story about congressional oversight of drone strikes that can present a good opportunity for you guys. Delaney wrote in one email to a CIA press officer explaining that what he had intended to report would be reassuring to the public about CIA drone strikes. And another after a series of back-and-forth emails about a pending story on CIA operations in Yemen. He sent a full draft of an unplumbed report along with a subject line, does this look better? And another he directly asked the FLAC. You wouldn't put out disinformation on this, would you? Despite numerous instances where these obdurate agencies get caught attempting narrative control. See, Mockingbird, that hasn't impended their desire to try. Knowing this, it brings us back to questions that we need to ask ourselves. Which views are my own and which are an illusion manufactured by unscrupulously bad actors? As Oscar Wilde accurately pointed out, most people are either people. Their thoughts are someone else's opinions. Their lives a mimicry. Their passions a quotation. How many take the time to truly know themselves? Who are we, really? Quote, It is easier to fool people than to convince them they have been fooled. Mark Twain. The U.S. operatives... Through three primary branches, the executive, judicial, and legislative. Create this way for the purpose of checks and balances. What happens then when there's a fourth branch added, a branch that circumvents these checks and balances in the name of security, and that operates by its own ambiguous rules while hiding behind a veil of secrecy, while you get what you have now with the military-industrial complex and intelligence agencies? These entities have made it clear that serving the elite class, that they are—that yeah, they use security for public optics. This is shown through their actions. The CIA's murderous practices, disinformation campaigns, and interference in other countries still shape the world order in U.S. politics, published by The Intercept in 2020s. Quote, In the weeks before the 2016 presidential election, the most powerful former leaders of the CIA did everything they could to elect Hillary Clinton and defeat Donald Trump. Undermining the voice of Americans? Shocking. It wasn't necessarily political either. This is their objectives. As he has been true since President Harry Truman's creation of the CIA after World War II, interfering in other countries and dictating or changing their governments through campaigns of mass murder, military coups, arming guerrilla groups, the abolition of democracy, systematic disinformation, and the imposition of savage despots, is regarded as divine right inherent to American exceptionalism. Anyone who questions that, or worse, opposes it and seeks to impede it, as the CIA perceived Trump was doing, is a suspect of loyalties at best and an enemy of the state at worst. People fully bought into their ghost stories, too. One reason that people are so easy to control is because through the internet they lose sight of scale. While they're constantly bombarded with divisive rage bait by the media, they lose sight of the bigger picture. This is how they socially engineer a narrative in order to achieve their goals. With billions of people inhabiting our planet, it isn't exactly difficult to find what they're looking for. Not only should this help to show how big tech algorithms manipulate perceptions, it also shows they know what drives views, anger and hate. One of the most prominent methods to keep people divided in recent years has been racial divisions. The average person who loses a sense of scale would think that these hate crimes are taking place at an alarming rate or, of course, that they've been created ambiguously in the meaning this entails. Further blurring the lines, however, for all these stories of hate crimes that appear in the future. How many people take the time to actually follow up on them? I'm willing to guess it's a shockingly low number. Thankfully, there's actually a pretty easy way to keep track. The website is another useful tool. It's called fakehatecrimes.org. Fakehatecrimes.org. In it, there are hundreds of cases that have been promoted by media that ended up being hoaxes. Many of them made mainstream news, met with gasps and moral outrage, yet they were fake from the start. Why is it you don't see follow-ups when they're exposed? Because it doesn't serve them. Their goal is division and distraction. Your rage is their product. There's a good book that you can read by Dr. Wilfred Riley, aptly titled, quote-unquote, Hate Crime Hoaxes. Here's a quick video of him making fun of Jussie Smollett. The world being sold to people isn't a reflection of real life. It only exists so that they have justification to enact policies and control measures that further solidify their power and control over you. Do not buy what they're selling. You'll find many similarities between differing methods of manipulation, but it's still worth knowing them all. Let's go over one set of methods being used. In 1945, Ingjad Nelson or Nissan A psychologist and professor proposed an outline for what he called Master Suppression Techniques. These were methods used for the purpose of silencing, humiliating, and suppressing any opposition. Years later, in 1970, the techniques would be refined and popularized by Bert Ayes, another psychologist. I suspect they'll sound familiar, but understanding Master Suppression Techniques is important to bringing awareness to others and disrupting their efficacy. The main objective of these techniques is important to bringing awareness to others and disrupting their efficacy. The main objective of these techniques is for a socially dominant group to maintain dominance and to reinforce power structures in place. That said, they're still useful on an individual level as well. Master suppression techniques are as follows. 1. Make your opponents invisible. Deliberately ignore those you wish to suppress create the impression that they're unwelcome and marginalize their views and opinions. 2. Ridicule. Present the opposition as stupid, foolish, uneducated, mock their efforts, or use reduction or assertism to present a dishonest representation of their arguments. This can also include labels which attempt to suggest you are something they're not. 3. Withholding information. To be informed requires knowing the facts of any particular subject. Keeping people unaware makes it so that more likely to make decisions that wouldn't have made otherwise. It includes omissions as relevant details or removing full context from quotes. 4. Double bind. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. Criticize opposition regardless of what they do. Similar to a Kafka trap, no matter their opposition, they are wrong unless it aligns with what is desired. Five, heaping blame and putting to shame. Embarrass and shame them for being at fault. If they question anything or raise concerns, they're told they're to blame and made to feel shame for it. Knowing the psychological vulnerabilities of the target determines which tactics are likely to be the most effective in the future. In the world we live, this is pretty easy as we have entire industries in place that revolve around people's vulnerabilities. I like to refer to them as the grievance grifters. These are industries that grant people the ability to feel victimized who continue to move goalposts for what constitutes discrimination because their very livelihood depends on people feeling aggrieved. While they move while they may have once served some good, now they prey on people's insecurities and paranoia for profit. Put bluntly, they need to continue to justify their existences. Victimhood has become social currency. Those in power know this too. The problem, however, is that demand for uh, far outpaces supply. Their solution, of course, is to manufacture it and use it for their own machinations. Using media and tech it is, easy featuring, or is an easy feat given that institutions have finite resources. It stands to reason that they use methods to promote self-censorship or having other people censor on their behalf. I doubt I need to spell out how the latter has been done for several years now. Self-censoring is worthy of concern. Given what can be at stake, there's not particularly surprising either, since they risk more than they gain by speaking out. It's another facet worth understanding the intricacies involved. What is self-censorship and why shouldn't we hide what we think? In this article, it says, quote, Self-censorship and extreme political correctness often take the form of oppressive righteousness. Oppressive Justice occurs when we perceive that we cannot share our perspective because it defies the principles in vogue at the time. Thus, we end up measuring each word to the millimeter before uttering it, evaluating it from all possible angles to turn the act of communicating into a juggling exercise on a tightrope, robbing it of all authenticity. Required Reading The book titled, In Sheep's Clothing, Understanding and Dealing with Manipulative People by George K. Simon. It's easy to find a PDF version if you prefer to search it out yourself. I'm going to go into some more manipulation techniques that are commonly used, most of which are touched on in this book, but I figured I'd share the book first and give the synopsis so others don't have to go seek it out. Synopsis, Dr. George Simon knows how people push your buttons. Your children, especially teens, are experts at it, as is your mate. A coworker may quietly undermine your efforts while professing to be helpful, or your boss may prey on your weaknesses. Manipulative people have two goals, to win and to look good doing it. Often those they abuse are only vaguely aware of what is happening to them. In this eye-opening book you'll also discover. Four. Reasons why victims have a hard time living abusive relationships. Power tactics manipulators use to push their own agendas and justify their behavior. Ways to redefine the rules of engagement between you and an abuser. How to spot potential weaknesses in your character that can set you up for manipulation. And 12 tools for personal empowerment to help you maintain greater strength in all relationships. He rightfully surmises, quote, Nothing is more important to any aggressive personality than gaining power and achieving a position of dominance over others. Some interesting facts. DARPA starts the Narrative Networks program circa 2010. The head of DARPA becomes the head of Google Regina Dugan circa 2012. Google acquires every AI AI company it can circa 2014. And this can be found on Wikipedia list of mergers and acquisitions by Alphabet. When looking for Google, look for Alphabet. Lying by omission. This is a subtle lying through this is subtle. Lying through omission is typically done by presenting a situation but purposely leaving out critical facts in an attempt to shape how someone will view the situation. This is most commonly used in propaganda. Denial. Denying anything and everything inconvenient to the agenda or denying any wrongdoing. Rationalization. Attempting to convince you that whatever they do is justified. Any wrongdoing is acceptable and explained as necessary. Minimization. Making their behavior seem as not harmful or that a person is blowing it out of proportion. Selective attention. Refusal to give attention to anything that deviates from their agenda. It doesn't help support what they want that it may as well not exist. Diversions. Diversions. Reflecting a conversation to something unrelated or more beneficial to them. They'll refuse to give straight answers to clear and simple questions, often because the answer is detrimental. Evasion. A variation of diversion, except they'll answer in a way that's ambiguous, nonsensical, non-answering, and irrelevant. They'll respond in a way that's still related to the topic, but not the conversation or question. Covert intimidation. As opposed to an explicit threat. It's more subtle, hinted, or suggested threats or consequences, which also grants them plausible deniability if done right. Body language or actions can also be used to suggest harm or to intimidate. Guilt trip. They'll suggest a person has a moral shortcoming, that they're selfish, to gain support from their objectives. They'll frame those who don't participate as people who support wrongdoing or wrong think. Shaming. Mockery and sarcasm are used to make a person feel lesser. They'll prey on insecurities to inculcate a belief of inadequacy. They'll assert inexperience or ignorance to how a person looked to them or make them feel ashamed for questioning them. Vilifying the victim, suggesting that a victim was deserving of the wrongdoer. Justifying the victimization using moral platitudes. Falsely accusing the victim of being the villain if they attempt to defend themselves or their position. Playing the victim. Regardless of the situation, they're the victim. They may suggest they're a victim of someone else's actions or behavior, or even a victim of circumstance. The goal is to prey on people's compassion by eliciting sympathy and pity to gain support. Playing the servant role. They'll act as if they're serving a righteous cause or some greater good as a disguise for their own self-serving agenda. May act as if they don't actually care about any particular benefits and are trying to appear altruistic. Seduction. This comes in various forms, including compliments, offering help, acting overly kind, flirting, appeasing, flattering, suggesting their loyalties, and more. All to gain trust and their ability to better influence and to offer suggestions beneficial to their goals. Blaming others. This is done in a more subtle way by suggesting that others are to blame by projecting their own reasoning onto them. Will make it appear as if they were forced into actions deceitfully by others will continue to lie and change their reasoning and attempt to settle on a story that is acceptable and believable feigning ignorance will attempt to absolve themselves of knowledge of harm done or their role and simply insisting they didn't do it or don't know how it was done they'll act aggrieved surprised or outraged and attempt to turn the situation to one where those harmed are the wrongdoers for suggesting they had part of that if it was intentional feigning confusion Pretending they're unaware of anything related to an issue or even acting confused at the very mention of an issue. They'll also try to confuse people to instill doubt in them and make them question themselves and the veracity of their claims. Brandishing Anger They'll quickly fly into a rage to shock people while acting aggrieved and placing themselves in a stronger position. The anger is an act to serve their purpose and can be used to intimidate, make others feel ashamed, avoid exposure, truth, elicit doubt, and many other situations. The entire purpose is to make people focus on the anger and the reasoning for the anger to deflect from what caused the anger. Bandwagon Effect Attempting to create the perception that a group is a minority, pariahs in how they think or act, and suggest that the majority all share their own common beliefs, how you should act or think. It's a predatory action attempting to get others to join an illusionary majority consensus almost a type of peer pressure seeking to explicit the inherent desires to fit in. These are but some of the methods of manipulation mentioned in the book, which can help people identify when someone is attempting to surreptitiously persuade or manipulate them. I want to add a couple of my own as well as some other psychological knowledge that I think will help all of us in understanding how many of the techniques used by them in positions of power, but I'm going to do that in a different post so it doesn't mix in with these. Don't forget, the book is available in PDF form for free online. A couple of other methods I've observed that I feel should be included, which are typically used by groups promoting an agenda. An appeal to emotions. Preying on people's emotional reactions to a particular subject. This can include anger, fear, sadness, compassion, etc. They will present a situation with an appeal to base emotions. No doubt people can think of countless examples of this being applied. The point is to remove rational thought and logic and instead encourage processing of what presented through an emotional lens to further their goal. For those who continue to apply logic, they will present a false image of them as uncaring, callous, evil, or in support of something they are not. The minority is the majority. Making a disingenuous argument to suggest that agendas they're promoting by presenting a minority scenario is somehow representing the majority of a situation. Their intent is to disregard what's being presented and alleviate their own position by shifting the conversation to be more favorable to their objective. They may use the rarest of events or smallest of groups as a distraction to validate what they want. Binary argument. Creating the illustration are the illusion of a situation being black and white. They'll remove the nuance inherent to the topic but strengthen a stance that may be untenable should it be included. Should the nuanced gray area be brought up, they may purposely misrepresent it in a situation of their binary model and attempt to reinforce their view and cast doubt on the character of a group or a person. Fantasy people. Participating in creating an imaginary representation of a group or a person. A false image is made that includes their morals, motives, thoughts, beliefs, intent, intelligence, objectives, feelings, and more, and presented as real. By presenting it an accurate representation, they can more easily justify what they're suggesting or promoting, and the group person will then shift focus to defending themselves. Creating Associations Equating those who won't abide by what's desired as part of a particular collective. By not giving support to an agenda or having different views, it will be implied or explicitly stated that it's due to participating in some fringe group, typically a universally condemned one. The connection will be created to question the character of the group person and devalue any ideas presented that they do not align with what's desired, as well as to gain a position of dominance in the conversation over the others. This also has the added effect of having a person-group attempt to defend themselves or their ideas instead of furthering constructive dialogue. Merit Dismissal Typically done through dismissing the merit of a point, idea, or argument that's being made by seeking out reasons to completely ignore it. By seeking out flaws they are unrelated to the actual merit of what's being discussed, a group person is left seeking out a way to first gain approval of those dismissing it. Unattainable standards will be set for the acceptance of the information presented, regardless of how good the merit of the point-idea argument may be. Doing this grants them the ability to ignore anything inconvenient and to further assert their own position as the best one. These are just a few of my own observations that I believe will help to recognize behaviors which attempt to silence, confuse, or demoralize them. In being able to recognize all the methods shown, people can be better equipped when engaging with others and deal with the situations accordingly. I have little doubt that when reviewing the sum, people will be able to juxtapose many of the things listed with experiences or behaviors they've observed themselves in their own lives. That said, there's still an important facet I want to cover before moving on to stuff that's probably a bit more fun. I appreciate people indulging me and adding on through the thread as well as for sticking around thus far. End of thread with a total of 200 and. Sorry, a number of 147 replies, 64 images, and 52 individual posters. 52 individual posters that made up this entire thread which is based on censorship the suppression of free speech throughout history the agendas of the modern uh, day power uh, authoritative elites and their attempts to uh, gaslight us to create psychological operations against us regarding speech truth and uh, entirely based on their power lust of controlling what we say think and do and hoping we submit to their agendas of control. This has been the thread brainwashing, propaganda, information control, mass manipulation, and state control. It was posted on the X board, paranormal board, on 4chan on July 18, 2023. Thank you all very much out there in Dreamland for listening to the Beyond Top Secret Texan broadcast. I am the Beyond Top Secret Texan. I am broadcasting from the third coast, to coast with the most, the Gulf Coast of Texas. It is my pride and privilege to be doing so. Thank you, each and every one of you out there, for supporting me by liking, by sharing this uh, content on your social media, and by leaving a review. Uh, Whatever you think of that episode, just please leave that review. Get that footprint to grow. Please share this episode with your social media. Get as many eyes on target as possible when needing to hear this, needing to see this uh, post, needing to hear it specifically, the information regarding truth and what they're seeing online with the rise of the AI bot and the corporate internet um, definitely you know, this is meant to wake people up as much as uh, entertain or educate it's it's a wake up call basically, this is a clarion call, this is an emergency alarm you know, to wake people the fuck up that the internet is not free, it is not their own newspapers are not their own, the print media is not their own, the agenda mainstream media is definitely not their own and the government definitely doesn't give a fuck about them it is not their own it is not a government of representatives. It is not a government representing you, the people. It is a government representing people trying to control you, the people. So thank you all very much. Beyond Top Secret Texan here, broadcasting from the third coast to coast with the most Gulf Coast of Texas. God bless you and your families. Peace out.